Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Ryan Rambles. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about my visit to Origins Game Fair. So Origins, for people who aren't aware, is a convention that takes place in Columbus, Ohio. And this was the third year that Michelle and I went to this convention, as exhibitors specifically. We are about three hours away from there, being in Pittsburgh, so it's a pretty easy drive to get to Columbus. So we left Pittsburgh early Thursday morning and got into Columbus about mid-afternoon, and we were able to set up Michelle's booth because, as I said, we went as exhibitors, and this is specifically for Michelle's company, the Palia Design where you've probably seen her work before, uh, because if you've looked at our logo, she has designed that. The Trick Talkers logo is designed by her. Also, the meeple butts, which I'm sure are infamous at this point, or famous. I don't know if it's they are. Would they be, be, would they be infamous? I know the definition for infamous is usually about something being evil or being bad. So I don't know if that would really be the case. Either way, those are the butt meeples. They were made by her, along with all the other board game-related pins or stickers you might have seen that have different genres or gamerisms, and she most recently made a bunch of book-related things. We were there for her booth in the artist's area, and the convention itself went from Thursday to Sunday. I'm realizing I said we got in on Thursday. We actually got in on Wednesday because that's how dates work. Wednesday is when we left because we were able to set up everything. And then on the following Thursday morning is when the actual convention started. So Origins is on the scale of conventions in the U.S. on the smaller side. Things like Gen Con, PAX Unplugged, are going to be your bigger conventions. Uh, Origins is a little bit smaller than that. And I remember the announcer lady on Saturday was saying that there were 13,000 attendees that were registered or bought tickets. But I think Origins is a really nice size as far as conventions go. The exhibit hall, while being large enough to have a lot to do and, and still be able to walk the entire exhibit hall in a single day. It wasn't so small that it was cramped when people were trying to walk around. I know I've, I've personally never been to Gen Con, but I've seen pictures and heard horror stories of how it's like shoulder to shoulder everywhere you're going. And it just doesn't sound pleasant. Origins is not like that whatsoever. It's quite easy to maneuver around. And we were pretty lucky on having a corner booth that was two rows away from like one of the main entrances to get into the convention hall. So it helped get a lot of traffic uh, for people that were like just entering into the convention hall. And it's just, it's always a lot of fun being able to meet so many people in the hobby and be able to interact with them in a, in a slightly different way because of the fact that it's an artist's booth 
And it specifically pins, stickers, t-shirts, bags, playmats, all the different things that you know Michelle has on her store that can be offered. It's not specifically a board game. And it's always funny or I guess interesting to see that side of people like when they come over and like with a lot of her designs, there's the, yes, I do need all these board games. And there's a person sort of laying on their side with their head in their arm, sort of just like admire all of my games and just a bunch of others that she has. And it's just funny the way people come up and will laugh and point and show off to their friends. Like, oh, look at this thing. That's so you. This one is definitely you. Oh, there's a rules lawyer. We should get that for Joe. Joe is like the rules lawyer of our group. And and then people start to open up and talk about their gaming groups in a different way than you normally hear people talk when you're at a specific game booth for a game itself. And that's not to say that board games don't generate that conversation as well, because they definitely do. I mean, you've probably seen a game at a convention or even just at your board game store or online, wherever it is. And like, oh, it's got cat art on it. You're just like, oh man, Steven's going to love this game. You know, having all those cats, this looks like a game for him. Let's get it or whatever. And, and it can generate that same type of conversation, but I just think it's a little different when it comes on the art side. So it's just something I noticed when, you know, being at the booth like that. So anyway, got to meet some of the people from the Portland Game Collective and the Trick Talkers Discord server. We had planned to meet on Saturday to actually play some trick-taking games, but throughout the day, since I was at a specific booth, I could just tell people, hey, come to booth 1538 and say hi. So people were able to walk over and we had a couple minute chat here and there. And it was super cool to be able to meet a handful of you that I've talked to online a bunch and actually played a couple games online. But it was really cool to be able to meet in person and, you know, actually have a face to face conversation and, and put a face to the name of whatever weird Discord usernames we all have. And yeah, so it was just it was a really cool experience. And then on Saturday itself, once we actually got to play some games, there was ended up being a total of five of us. There were more people that were scheduled to be there, but unfortunately, you know, crazy conventions scheduling goes. There's not enough time in that small, short window that you have of a weekend. So I totally get it. Plans are hard to line up perfectly. You know, if you come with other people, other friends, or potentially are trying to meet other people that are coming in from out of town or wherever. It, it's again, it's hard to, to pinpoint that exact scheduled time frame. So we had five of us and we were able to play, I think for like seven hours or so, maybe a little less than that. Uh, it started out as only three of us. Uh, we played a couple three player games and then two more people showed up and we were finishing out the night with five players in total. So that was Pete, Alex, Emily, and Andrew. And then, of course, myself. And Alex, Pete, and I started the night off with a three-player game of Tricky Time Crisis. And one of the things that we tried to make sure happened, and I shouldn't say tried, we definitely did. We succeeded at it. 
was we wanted to make sure that every game that was played that night, it was new to at least one person at the table. Everybody wants to to get together and play all these games and learn these new games. So we really wanted to make sure that at least one person was new to whatever game we played. So we started with Tricky Time Crisis, which I was the only one who had played it. So I taught it to Alex and Pete. And as I've said in this show before, I really, really enjoyed this game. It's replaced Potato Man and David and Goliath for me. And I don't really want to speak for Alex or Pete, but I know that they really enjoyed the game after we played it. They both backed the Kickstarter. And after they played it, they were like, I'm very happy I did. Uh, They really seemed to enjoy it. So that game went over well. Right after that, we played a three-player game of roulette taking. Pete was new to this game. Alex and I had played before. While I will say this was probably my best game of it, only because in the third round, I hit five bets that I had made. We haven't really talked about roulette taking on the show, so I'll just quickly go over that. And, and how it plays. Essentially, you're playing roulette in a trick-taking fashion, hence roulette-taking. So the idea is one of the players is the dealer or the house, and the other players are trying to make bets on which card they think is going to win the last trick. There's a black suit, a red suit, and then there are two cards within the green suit. It's the zero and double zero. It's like all the numbers are matching what you'd see like on a roulette table in the roulette wheel. And once you play a card, you take this black disc and you cover up that number on the board to show that it can't win because it's not the last trick anymore. It's not win the last trick, so it's out. But then whoever wins the trick, as long as it's not the dealer, that player will make a bet on what specific thing they think is going to win the last trick. And that can be of a specific number. So you could say the 13 is going to win, or you could pick just the color. So a red card is going to win or a black card, or you can do odds, evens, the first 12 numbers, second 12 numbers. So there's a whole bunch of different things you can pick similar enough to regular roulette on what you think is going to win the last trick. So in the last round, I, like I said, I, I, I made, actually it was four bets. Pete <laughs> wrote five. No, I'm just remembering off of the discord. But it was four bets that I made that I actually ended up hitting. I was very confident on the card that I thought was going to win. So I placed my bet on the color, and then I went to odd, and then I went to the row it was in, and then finally I went to the number itself. And it was the card that actually won, so it paid out massive for me. Pete seemed to enjoy his play of it. He ended up doing pretty poorly overall um had missed bids ran out of money got that two dollars that the game gives you to like say hey you can start betting again even though it's only two dollars lost that again (laughs) so that game's a bit crazy so the first time you play it it's very much a push the buttons and see what happens kind of thing so either way though I, i enjoyed my play of it again and looking forward to playing it some more uh in the future Next up, we played Nokus Dice. So we actually got to four people at this point. All five people showed up, but Emily 
actually sort of took a, a lap, walked around the other play area to see what other people were doing and get some food. So the four of us, uh, Andrew joined in and we all played Nocus Dice. Andrew, this was his first play. Everybody else had played the game. And in true Nocus Dice fashion, after the rules were explained and we started the drafting, you could see the brain burny churn that was going on in Andrew's head. I mean, he was audibly saying it as well, too, because that's what that game does. Man, that game is so good. But boy, does it make your brain really burn and it's such a good burn it's just it's always so cool to see a new person play this game because as that first round goes through and you start to see things click with them and they start to realize how to manipulate the dice and the hand and how you start drafting a little bit differently based on what you think you could go for and what you potentially might want to leave as trump it's just it's so good easily a top five trick-taking game of all time that's a big statement for me to say but i just everybody that plays this game always has a good time with it now obviously it's a bit more on the deep end of trick-taking so this isn't going to be something you want to introduce to somebody or use as an entry-level trick-taker because of it having bidding and the fact that there's the Trump and the super Trump and always people forgetting that whatever that color is, whatever the, or whatever the number is, it changes to that color and people can forget that. And it's, it's just definitely something you want to show people after they've been playing trick taking for a little while. But at that point, they're deep enough into trick taking that like they're ready, bring it on. Let's, let's try this. And it just always hits. It's so good. I just, oh man, I just want to play that game so many more times. I could just play multiple hands of that in a single night and be completely happy. So after that, though, Emily came back and we played a five-player game of Inside Job. And I believe it was Emily and Andrew's first time playing. I want to say Alex, Pete, and I had played before i can't remember if emily had played before but either way definitely andrew's first time five player inside job first time playing we did just the four basic agents and the insider andrew was the insider and did a pretty decent job actually at, at hiding being the insider until it came down to crunch time essentially he was doing the slow play of not really causing anything to fail and we were getting through pretty smooth sailing, uh, completing all of our missions. I ended up getting four intel, so I revealed myself as the agent. And by the time we got down to the like needing one more mission completed to win is when Andrew just threw down the clear fail of making sure the trick couldn't uh, or the, the mission couldn't succeed. And then the next mission right after that was another very obvious play. And they're like, okay, well, clearly now you're the insider. And I mean, I get it though. Like it, any social deduction game, it's always hard when your very first play of it, you're the bad guy. You don't know how the game plays. You don't really understand the flow of it yet. You don't know like the ways to be sneaky and you just get thrown into it. So that can always, you know, create a 
bad time for somebody or or sour their experience. Thankfully, Andrew it at least didn't sour his first experience because we played again right after that. But we added in a couple of the uh, additional uh, roles. We added in the accomplice and the secret agent. And so Emily was the accomplice and she looked at my role and I was the secret agent. And I always love when that combination happens. It can be way more chaotic. And I know for a second play, it's probably not the right thing to do, but I just, it's so fun with that combination. And at least Andrew got to be an agent for the second play. The thing is though, I ended up getting four Intel pretty quickly, revealed myself, which changes me to be on the insider team. And when that happens that early in the game, I think it was like three tricks in, like it was really quick. It changes the dynamic completely. It doesn't really become a social deduction anymore because now there's three people on the insider team because Emily and I are together with whoever the insider is. So it just, it, it eliminates that suspense. And now at this point, the insider is just trying to win as many tricks as possible. And all they have to do is basically reveal themselves by doing a card play, fail a mission easily, reveal themselves, and then make sure that we can get them the four intel they need to win, which is ultimately what ended up happening. So either way, I think inside job went over okay at the table. Might have just been, again, a combination of things and, and how it unfolded. It didn't seem to anyone say that they had a bad experience with it, but I don't think it was the game of the night for anybody. After that, we played Bug Council of Backyardia, which we did at five players. And I want to say it was Andrew and Emily that were first for this. I believe Alex had played before. It might have been his first time. And this is a very fun Mancala style trick taker where the suit strength will change depending on where the cubes are on this board that you put in the middle of the table. And the player who plays the lowest card of lead suit gets to play Mancala with these cubes, aka changing the strength of the suits. You are able to shoot the moon in this game, which at the beginning of the hand after you're dealt your cards, you choose allegiance or no allegiance. If you pick no allegiance, you get to discard one card from your hand, and then you're trying to take zero tricks the whole round. You're going to get 10 points and any bonus points for cubes that are in this little middle council chamber space. Otherwise, if you go allegiance, you're going to gain one point for every trick you take, plus the number of cubes in the last card that you have in your hand. Whatever suit that is, however many cubes are in that color or in that suit on the board, you score those number of bonus points. So typically, if you can go no allegiance and take zero tricks, you're going to score more points than somebody who went allegiance. But it's much harder to go no allegiance because of the fact that the suit hierarchy is constantly changing. You might have a low number card in a suit, but it might be the strongest suit out there. It is must follow. But if you can't follow and you end up playing a card that is stronger than what the must follow was, you can end up winning a trick very easily that you didn't think you were going to. Of course, though, being the moon shooter that I am, I absolutely will try to shoot the moon in that game as much as possible. And I did know allegiance two of the three rounds. Uh, I did 
get it once. And I came so close the second time in round three, I took one trick and it was a couple of tricks left. But yeah, so Bug Yard, uh, Bug Council was a good time. If it wasn't a longer game, I think we might have played it again after that. But, you know, trying to experience new things and, and playing new games, we, we went on to the next one. Pete and Andrew both had some games, some playtest prototype copies of games they were showing off to publishers there that they wanted to show to us as well. Now, I'm not going to say the names of the games only because I don't know if I actually have permission to share them with the world like this yet. Uh, So I'm just going to say Pete's game and Andrew's game as I discuss them. But we started with Pete's game first. And this is a card and dice game. Super, super cool with you essentially get a polyhedral set of dice and you're playing those in the trick along with cards. I'm going to be very vague as well because, again, I'm not even saying the names. I don't know how much of it I should be talking about. So that's pretty much as much of it that I'm going to give. Uh, and I'm sure I can talk about these games on a future episode if they go any further and if Pete and Andrew say it's okay to talk about them more. But anyway, this uses a sort of similar idea of Master of Rules, which is another trick-taking game that I did not like. Um, but I really like Pete's game. And I'm excited to see where it continues to grow. I think after that play test, there was some good feedback that the group had given Pete. And I had actually play tested this game a few months ago uh, when it was like its very first play test he'd ever played of it. And it had changed a bunch since then. And I really liked a lot of the changes that he had made to it. So again, I'm really excited to see where that one where that one continues to go to. But after that, the final game of the night we played was Andrew's game. And it had a very similar vibe to Monster Trick, where there were multiple tricks you could play to. And it did a really cool thing of how trick resolution worked. And the way there was an overall arc to the game and how you scored these individual goals. Essentially, you had your hand, and there's like a multi-use to every card, playing it to the trick or scoring it for a round. If you play a card to the trick or to one of the tricks, you're not going to be able to use that as a scoring card for the end of game. So it it uses a very clever system of the multi-use card and multi-trick. Just like Pete's game, I'm really excited to see where this game continues to grow too and you might hear me talk about it more in the future if if it does proceed anywhere and i do get more plays of it so that was the saturday night while i was there on the other days the other nights at the convention i was actually playing with my group of friends that came to origins with me we all stayed in airbnb together And on those nights after the exhibit hall closed, we went back to our place and we're playing some games. And I think the game of the weekend was So Clover. This is a word game. So not a trick-taking game at all. Has cards, though. These weird square cards. And it just... Because after, you know, such a long day, sometimes it's just nice to play a very calm, relaxing, rules-light game, I guess. Maybe not calm, relaxing. (laughs) Depends on who you play with. Word games can get pretty serious. 
It was new to me. We played it four times in one night. And I know there that Saturday night when I was playing trick-taking, I heard they had played a few games of it as well. So lots of plays of that game. We also played Decrypto, which is another word game. We played Wicked and Wise, which is a trick-taking game. Fantastic team game. Uh, I was able to buy the play match at the convention hall, which was pretty cool. And then our big grandiose game that we did Friday night was The Thing, uh, the newer version. And it's a social deduction game based off of the movie The Thing. That was a lot of fun. But since that was our bigger grandiose game, it took a lot of time. We didn't start playing it till eight or so. Rules Teach took some time, so we ended up playing it until I think it was like 12.30 or 1 in the morning. A lot of fried brains, but it made for some hilarious moments, great stories. And I'm sure that finale that happened where we only had one human left and everyone else was the thing. For anyone who hasn't played the game, it's a social deduction game. One player starts as the thing, but you can slowly infect other people. So unlike most social deduction games, there's only like one bad guy, maybe two. And it's like, you're the only person for the entire game and you have to somehow make it out without nobody finding out. The thing sort of makes a little twist to that and makes it so you can actually slowly infect other people and you can all become the bad guy at that point. Uh, but we only had one human left. And we got to the point where you had to get onto the helicopter. There were four people in total that weren't like revealed as the thing. And the human player knew for sure one of the other people was the thing. So like, nope, you're not allowed on the helicopter. But it was between the other two. And I was one of the people that was the thing. And they were like, mm, maybe you are. I feel like you've interacted with this person enough times. You're probably also the thing as well. But that third person, was so, they were so confident that they were also a human with them and let them on the helicopter. So it just it made for a very hilarious reveal once it finally happened. And I'm realizing that this is a pretty long ramble. So I think I'm going to leave it at that. That was my weekend at Origins. I'm very excited to go again next year. We have already signed up for another booth space for Palia Design. So if you are planning on going to Origins, this is a whole year away. So who knows how that changes. But just know that I will be planning on going to Origins myself. Otherwise, this has been another episode of Ryan Rambles, and I'm Ryan and I'm rambling, so I'm going to disconnect now. See you around.